And hello, welcome to It's a Scary Life. I'm your host, Melody, and this is my always phenomenal co-host, Ellen. Hello! And we are having a grand old time tonight already. Yeah, (laughs) I got pizza, we're watching Gravity Falls. It was a fun time. It's a good time. Good shit. Yeah. Gravity Falls is an amazing show. If you have not watched it, it's on Hulu, Disney Plus, it's a Disney Channel animated show. Super fun. Great time. Yeah. Um, if you have kids, especially, you can watch it with them. Absolutely. It's great. Yeah. Uh, it's a super, it's a great show. A lot of foreshadowing, very well written. The creator, Alex Hirsch, is just a super impressive person. Just a mad genius. Truly. Just liked leaving little Easter eggs. He's like, these will be relevant later. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I gave him that accent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's definitely an American guy. So he'd probably yeah, just no. sound like an average American. No, I've heard yeah. him talking. He does not sound like that. Yeah. Um, but I think everybody should have a fun little accent sometimes. True. Yeah. So. I try to imagine Rebecca Sugar as British. Oh, that's Even so fun. she's from the East Coast. Good for them, yes. yes. And notably from the East Coast. In fairness. <laughs> it's the East Coast. I think they should definitely. I mean, okay, one, Eastern Seaboard accents are kind of fun anyway. That's true. But like, I don't think she has a thick one though. No, no. So it's it's still Black History Month, Melody. It is. So. Uh, and we are diving into a little bit more of Black History. Yay! Except this is this podcast, so I'm concerned. Absolutely, you should be. <laughs> I will say it's not gruesome like the Tulsa Race Massacre or Lake Lanier. That's nice. Um, it's just you know a massive disappointment in the country. Oh, so, you know, day-to-day stuff. Cool. Yeah, your day-to-day hatred for America is uh, basically what this one is. Ah, yeah. I have a love-hate relationship with this country. You know, I was born here. This is my home, but fuck, we have a lot of shit that needs fixing. Yeah, see, I'm just like, I was young enough watching... Bush. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I, and just watching the people around me and like, there are a lot of people in this country that I love. Oh yeah. That I would fight for. I would fight so hard for these citizens. I will fight so fucking hard for the citizens. That being said, (laughs) I do not give a shit about our concept of a country. Absolutely. I am not nationalistic, nor is Ellen. No. Uh, True patriots. We are. Gross. No, take me out of that. No, because patriots are here for the citizens. I get that. Symbolism. Right. But we misuse it so much that it gets skewed with nationalism. I know. know, I know. And it just, it feels gross. Yeah. Yeah. You can be a patriot and I'm happy for you. But like, I don't care that much. (laughs) Like, I, 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 you say that you care about the citizens. I care about very specific citizens. I'm not a good person, Melody. I love you. I love you too. I, I believe in especially our future generations yeah picking up and making progress yeah Um, but like we gotta we gotta push it as far forward as we can yeah i have high hopes for gen z they seem pretty awesome they're pretty cool yeah (laughs) yeah um but anyway yeah so what uh what do we got today yeah so we continue our black history month coverage with a story from the united states history that encompasses the injustice of many black men had faced in the Jim Crow era. It's a story that starts off simply with people riding on a train south commencing in Chattanooga. 
and ends with nine men falsely convicted of rape. Oh, no. The story went on to inspire a brilliantly written musical that was a subject of many protests on Broadway. That is now the primary source many people have for information on this case in our culture. Scottsboro Boys? Yeah. You know, I never, I haven't really interacted a lot with the musical, so this is pretty fresh. Yeah, and especially because it's hard to find copies of, like, the album for it, things Mm -hmm. like that. It's difficult to find that information. Yeah. So there's this, uh, like, need for the filler, one. And two, I highly recommend seeing the musical if you ever have a chance. I hear it's fantastic. Um, And Ellen, I do know someone who can send you the soundtrack Ooh, because they did that for me in college when I wrote a paper on it. That would be very nice. I would yeah. like that. Uh, it's going to make me cry, isn't it? I mean, probably. Okay, cool. It's, it's a Broadway show about false rape convictions. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, listen, Reed <laughs> got me within three songs, so I think oh, this absolutely. one's going to um, get me. Although I, tr- I truly think that guy did it in parade. I mean, honestly, it was long enough ago that I'm like, I don't know, but it's the one Jason Robert Brown musical that I uh, accept is good. Oh, I think the last five years is brilliant, It's even though it's autobiographical. It's good, but I'm still like, bro. Bro, you are such a douche. Bro. Uh, yeah. Like, that overshadows it for me. <laughs> also, shout out to Zach, who had to sit with me through Parade, and um, who didn't know that I cry a lot during shows. Nice. He was very concerned about me by intermission. That's fantastic. It was great. I was like, no, this is just this is just how I how I do. This is normal. Yeah. <laughs> so, Scottsboro Boys. Scottsboro Boys. Commencing in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. On March 25th, 1931, a train heading down the Southern Railroad line toward Alabama, there was a scuffle between two white men and nine black boys riding the freight train as hobos, heading south to find work. The nine black boys were Haywood Patterson, Olin Montgomery, Clarence Norris, Willie Roberson, Andy Wright, Ozzie Powell, Eugene Williams, Charlie Weems, and Roy Wright. And those were said in age order from 19 to 13. Oh, no. Oh, Melody. These men had not known, most of these men had not known one another prior to it. Andy Wright and Roy Wright were brothers. Okay. uh, And they had a couple friends with them, but the other five did not know the other four. So prior to this whole scuffle, they didn't know each other. Oh, God. Melody, you said this one wasn't going to be as rough. It's not. They don't die. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, Other than generally natural means. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. So the white men had started the fight due to the boys' race and lost due to just being outnumbered. News of the fight had spread through the train, and somehow news had made it out of the train to Paint Rock, Alabama, where they were stopped by an angry mob. The mob took the boys off the train and held interviews with all the white people on the train about them. This was when Victoria Price and Ruby Bates claimed to have been raped by the boys. Oh, you little shits. And the boys, aging from 13 to 19, were all arrested on rape charges and taken to Scottsboro, Alabama jail. What the fuck? Every goddamn time, I think. I can't be more disappointed. 
Oh, yeah. And this sets off a sequence of events that shows the horrible injustice of the Southern legal system. Mm-hmm. Like, right cool. when, exactly. Right when you think you can't be more disappointed in America. I mean, I'm specifically <laughs> disappointed in these white ladies. Oh, specifically, yes. Like, very specifically, we keep fucking up. <laughs> I'm claiming them as my people, but it's not for any fun reason. Good. <sighs> Go on. So before moving forward with the tragedy and miscarriage of justice that is about to unfold, it's important to talk about the stereotypes that grew out of the American South during slavery and how they factor into this case and a lot of the criticism you'll just hear about Black people today. Funny how that works. Oh, yeah. (sighs) It's almost like when you don't properly educate people and you say, oh, the parents can handle it. Things get fucked up. Okay, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to stop you there, Melody, because um, have, there are textbooks that do an even worse job. That is true. Like the kids that were reading these textbooks in the 1930s were reading like Daughters of the Confederacy approved. Oh, I know. It's, fanfic of American history. And a lot of the American history we still teach is that Daughters of the American yeah, Revolution. They were. Bullshit. Steeped in the lost cause bullshit. Oh, I know. And listen, I had ancestors that fought in that war. I'm glad the cause lost. It was a shitty fucking cause. It's a bad cause. It's a bad cause. Y'all, y'all didn't have any legs to stand on. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah. during slavery, people, of course, had the excuse of people from Africa being savage to justify slavery. But, of course, more stereotypes had to be formed so white men working under the plantation owners wouldn't see themselves in the forced labor force that they were overseeing. Because if that happens, we get Bacon's Rebellion. Exactly. Yeah. So these stereotypes played on two major fears that racists love to cling to. The first is that black people are inherently angry and therefore dangerous. This was a perspective taken by white people when slaves would revolt because obviously the only reason to revolt was because of an inherent proclivity towards violence. Not, you know, that they were being enslaved. (laughs) You'd think that might factor into it, you know. And that was also backed up by the since-debunked science, phrenology. Fucking phrenology is so wild. Like, which, for people who aren't familiar with phrenology, it's all about, yeah, it's all about head bumps and studying the skull, um... There, if you watch Django Unchained, Leonardo DiCaprio has a whole phrenology speech where he's like, "This little dip is shows that you're supposed to be subservient." Like, it's where we get the terms Negroid and Mongoloid. Phrenology was bullshit. It was super bullshit. It was just racist people justifying their racism. Mm-hmm. It was so dumb, and like it, it's own. It's really funny if you take away the racism aspect. Oh, absolutely. The thing is. <laughs> Like, it's a really funny fucking concept until you realize exactly what it was being used for. It's it's just, yeah. It's just like, this is some of the most ridiculous faux science I have ever looked at. Like, it it is like such fun astrology bullshit. Like, yes, the bumps on your head can tell me things about you until you realize exactly what it was used to uphold. Oh, yeah. Which is slavery and racism. Yeah. And sexism. Racism, sexism. Mildly, yeah. Um, hatred for people with disabilities. Yeah, I think also, like, 
with various groups of immigrants, it was also used against them. But, oh, absolutely. Yeah, because, you know. Anyone who wasn't already in the white bubble during phrenology, it would also get used against. So, like, the Irish, the Italians, yeah. the Greeks, it was also used against them. Mm-hmm. But, um, so this stereotype is, of course, still around today. We see it all the time when a black person states an opinion white people don't like or call someone out on their racism, and they are automatically called angry or bitter. And that is simply enough to take away credit from the black person. Because you see, Melody, if you can (laughs) argue calmly about something, that shows that you are an intelligent, calm, worthy person. Oh, yes. Being calm is what makes you worthy. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you didn't get this memo? But you see, if you show even the smallest bit of emotion because something that you're talking about affects you... Then, then you everything see is illogical. Lost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And my God, we can't be a lot illogical. Right. We must we must be Spock. No, Spock would not stand for this. No. Uh yeah. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy would not stand for this. Yeah. Um, fun so, times. Yeah. Uh and then the second stereotype is that black people are all sex fiends just wanting to get our hands on white people. So this applies to black men, categorizing them as people who want to rape white women. It applies to black women, categorizing all of us as people who want to seduce white men to gain their privileges for our children. This stereotype especially kept poor whites and previously indentured servants from Ireland from joining up with slaves to take down the masters, as it plays on a very major fear of the time, black people mixing blood with white people. This stereotype is definitely still extremely prominent today. We see it in our music industry when they only put forth black women who are overtly sexual and don't make it way for others to be heard. We can see it in how we judge and police black women's bodies. Think of Serena Williams wearing compression pants for her blood clots in the French opening and the French committee banning her outfit despite the medical need. Which is such bullshit because she was more. Listen, purity culture is stupid she and modesty so, culture like, is she stupid. She was covered head to toe. She like, was to covered. Toe. She was completely covered. It was just a tight thing. For her health. And she looked too good. Her health. And the, the white women were threatened. Damn. Um, but this is 100% has to do with her seeming too sexy. Well, she 100%. She can't help that. Um, but there's... She's a pretty strong lady. She can't... Yeah. I mean, Maya Angelou wrote the line, does my sexiness upset you? And to still I rise for a reason. Yeah. So getting back to Scottsboro and the boys being held in Jackson County Jail, the Jackson Sentinel had published a story about the false rape, which sparked outrage and caused another angry mob to form outside the courthouse. The sheriff called the Alabama governor, Benjamin Meeks Miller, for help. And the government called in the National Guard to protect the boys as they were transferred to a jail 60 miles away. The National Guard also escorted the boys back to Scarsboro for their trials. A grand jury held hearing was held March 30th, 1931, which indicted the boys for raping the two white women. The story told by Victoria Price and Ruby Brates that brought about the indictment was that they were on the freight train when a group of both white and black men walked into their car. The black men had left jumping off the train, and then the black men turned to them and took turns raping them. The women claimed that six of the men took a turn on them each. The trial was set for April 6th. The boys' public defender was of no help to them, 
and told him to plead guilty without any other counseling. Oh, what the fuck? So the trials were for the boys were speedy and led to conviction the same day they were before Alabama judge A.E. Hawkins. Mm. On April 6th, Clarence Norris and Charles Weems were tried, convicted, and sentenced to death. On the 7th, Hayward Patterson had received the same fast conviction and sentencing to death. On the 8th and 9th, Owen Montgomery, Ozzie Powell, Willie Roberson, Eugene Williams, and Andy Wright were convinced, uh, were convicted and also sentenced to death. Then, on April 10th, the case against Roy Wright, the youngest of the teenagers at 13, had his trial end in a hung jury. Due to his age, prosecutors had suggested a life sentence instead of death penalty. But seven jurors held out hoping to give the child the death sentence. Oh, that kind of hung jury. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. And executions had been set for July 10th of that year. Melody, I need I need you to tell me again that none of them get got like this. None of them get got like this. Thank you. They all die of natural causes. Free? Aww. For the most part, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm just like, the, there's a separate conviction. Uh, okay. So if there is any great example as to why for your entire lifetime you've been hot, taught to hate communists, it's this. Uh, What? You see, in the early 20th century, the communist movement of America fought against racism, wanting to unite the races to build a worker-run economy, understanding that racial differences were simply just differences and not divisions. Oh, no. And boy, oh, boy, do the communists swoop in to try to save the day for these boys. Oh! Yeah. That's nice. Fucking love the communists. Yeah! So immediately after hearing news of the unfair trials, George Maurer of the International Labor Defense wrote a letter to Governor Miller demanding a stay of execution. He stated that the boys were frightened and that the trials the boys went through were no more than just legal lynching. I mean, they're right. Yeah. 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 He's very right. Yeah. So soon after the story gained traction in the news, the American Civil Liberties Union also backed the boys against Hell the false yeah. allegations after they had Hollis Ransdell take a closer look and write a detailed report that challenged the story by the two women from Huntsville, Alabama. Amazing. That report is still available on the ACLU website, and it's, it's a good report. Good. It's like 21 pages. Hell worth yeah. Worth reading. Hell Yeah. <laughs> So in the report, Hollis states that Victoria Price was the type who welcomes attention and publicity at any price. She also concluded that Victoria had no notions of shame connected with sexual intercourse in any form and was quite unbothered in alleging that she went through such an experience as as the charges against the nine Negro lads imply. Hollis then goes on to state that Victoria was not beyond engaging in prostitution for supplementary income while working in mills, and that it is very much a matter of the ordinary routine of life to her, known in both Huntsville and Chattanooga as a prostitute herself. Oh, okay. Well, you know, if she hadn't done something this shitty, I'd say more power to her. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm like, yeah, sure. Supplement your income. Get your money. However, (laughs) you don't... Uh, so Victoria was well known by the Huntsville Sheriff to be a quiet prostitute, not known to walk the streets, but one would, who would pick up men for her purposes. 
Of course, having been a prostitute is never a solid reason to assume someone wasn't raped. But her promiscuity and lack of emotions when talking about the rape with Hollis, another white woman, put a giant question mark on her allegations against the black boys. Ah. Hollis concluded in her report that Alabama officials all wanted the Negroes killed as quickly as possible in a way that would not bring disrepute upon the town. They therefore Mm -hmm. preferred a sentence of death by a judge to a sentence to death by a mob, but they desired the same result. She's not wrong. Yeah, she's not wrong. And this really is a brilliantly written report. If you're interested in reading it, it's still on the ACLU website. Good. Um, So after the report from the OCLU came out, the NAACP sent out Red's representatives down to Statsboro. Good! Yeah. Took them a while. It can. Um, But it it depends on whether or not the story has really made it to them. Uh, Because it's still the 30s. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. It's not like today where you open your phone and there's all this news, you know? No, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, So it can take a little while. Uh, But between the ACLU, the International Labor Defense, and the NAACP, the boys now had proper legal representation. As the ACLU members, Arthur Hayes and Clarence Darrow, stepped up as volunteer counsel. Good. Yeah, you know, Clarence fucking Darrow. (laughs) Yeah. For some reason, Hayes sounds familiar, too. Oh, yeah. Arthur Hayes is a major player in law at this time. Okay. Um, he's very well known. He works very hard with the NAACP and the ACLU. His name should be familiar. Okay, cool. Cool. So they managed to get the execution stayed on June 22nd, 1931. And the case was being brought up to the Alabama Supreme Court. All right. But it wasn't until January in 1932 that they caught something to help the case. Oh, Wow. A letter written to Ruby's boyfriend had surfaced where she had stated that the rape allegations were fake and part of a plan that Victoria had. Ah, excellent. Yep. Excellent. So despite having the letter in their possession where one of the accusers opened up about the lie, the Alabama Supreme Court on March 24th, 1932, the judges voted six to one to uphold the convictions of the seven. What the fuck? Yeah. I'm not, I don't know why. I'm, I shouldn't be surprised. I really, I shouldn't. Yeah. They granted retrial only for Eugene Williams, as he was 15 at the time of conviction and still considered a minor. My God. So from here, Hayes and Darrow filed further appeals. And on May 27th, the U.S. Supreme Court agreed to hear the case. Okay. <laughs> so at this point, legal defense has added Walter Pollock from the International uh, Labor Defense to represent the boys in the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. On November 7th in 1932, in Powell versus Alabama, the U.S. Supreme Court decided the boys were denied right to counsel, which violated their right to due process under the 14th Amendment. Cool. The cases were then sent back to Alabama courts. No. For retrials. No. Right? (laughs) God damn it. Unfortunately, that's just how the system works. It's fucked. So for the retrials, the International Labor Defense wanted to up the game in defense and asked famous New York attorney Samuel Leibowitz to act as the defense. And he did so at a sliding scale fee. Mazel. Right? He's a good man. You know? 
And up to this point, he hadn't lost a case. Nice. He's a good man. He's a good lawyer. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so on March 27th, 1933, the first of the retrials for Haywood Patterson began. The defense had an important surprise witness for the trial, Ruby Bates. <sighs> I know. Good for her. You know what? Yeah, she, she was shitty up. at first. Like, deeply unforgivable at first, but now... Yeah, she's doing the right thing. She is! <laughs> she does not get cookies for it, but she is doing the right thing. Yes, it's like, you you get a good girl, and that's it. No, she does not. <laughs> no, she doesn't. She just... No. No, you don't get a good girl for walking back <laughs> something that could have killed people and has killed people in the past. That is true. And will continue... No. They could have been easily killed immediately after leaving. She gets, at most, she gets a took you long enough. True. Nah. Yeah. I mean, I mean the good girl slightly condescending. Oh, well, that's fine. Because I don't use that for a person unless I'm being condescending. That's fair. (laughs) Um, But when she took the stand, she admitted that the rape accusation was a farce. She had been with Victoria the entire train ride, and the reason that they had semen inside them during examination after the accusations oh my. was because they had been with their boyfriends in Chattanooga the night before. The doctor who examined the women after coming off the train testified that the semen found inside of them was non-motile sperm, meaning the sperm was no longer moving and could have not been from a rape only an hour or so before. Ah. Yes. That seems like important information that but should didn't make it into the first. Trip. I know it's Al- I know it's Alabama during the thirties. I, I know, <laughs> but my God, the ah, the injustice, the audacity. So, despite this testimony, Haywood was sentenced to death by electric chair. <gasps> I know what horrifying. Melody. So Judge Horton, who presided over the case, suspended the motion and sat out for a new trial for all the boys, but then had to postpone them as the tensions in the area were too high for what he called a just and impartial verdict. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, mm, maybe we shouldn't be doing this in Alabama. Just a thought. Just a fucking thought. Yeah, and that's that's part of the unfortunate part is that in America, because of states' rights, wherever a crime is committed, it is tried. Okay, and not to and be... And that's not always fair. <laughs> and listen, not to not to be completely just ignorant, but I thought we had a war that was allegedly about states' rights, and states fucking lost. They did. I mean, it was not about states' rights, but we say it well, is. It was about the states' right to slavery. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the state's rights to go to other states yeah, my, to recapture. I know. My my favorite is arguing with a person who says it's for states' rights. And I'm like, the state's right it's to what? what? The state's right to what? <laughs> have you seen that one John Oliver video? I have not, no. Oh, it's great. It's literally, there's a clip from an interview of someone going, doing exactly that. And the oh, person nice. that they're interviewing just being like, yeah, they go through all of this, like, mental gymnastics to avoid saying it's about slavery. It's yeah fascinating um i'm just saying i thought we trounced him right i thought i thought we burned through georgia nope the south will rise again apparently fuck that yeah fuck that y'all won't rise again at least not the way you think i mean i'd be fine i mean there you know it's a lot of like 
cool POC folks down there. Oh, yeah. And I'm rooting for the wonderful folks down there to be the ones who write again. Yeah. Like the chicks. Okay, they're fun. They're great. I like them. Yeah. I've always been on their side. I also really love their music. The chicks mm-hmm. have some great fucking country. Um, but getting back to... <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. So, the, Melody, tell me how these kids don't die, please. Yes. So, through the rest of the 30s, there are appeals after appeals, trials after trials to no avail. Uh, are the innocent boys set free? In 1935, they managed to get Norris v. Alabama to the U.S. Supreme Court, where it is argued... The men were not being given fair trials because the juries did not include any other black men or their peers. So this decision not only worked in the favor of the Scottsboro boys, but all black people in the United States as the decision opened up the country to having integrated juries. Hell yeah. Very important decision. Yes. Um, I mean, lawyers still try and do the best they can to avoid that, but, you know. They really do. Legally, it's supposed to happen. Yes. Um, and then in 1936, Haywood had once again been convicted of the crime and sentenced to 75 years in prison. What the fuck? Yeah. Melody, what the fuck? The day after, Ozzy Powell had attacked a deputy with a knife, and the deputy shot him in the head. Both survived. Okay. And Ozzy's lawyers managed to get the rape charges dropped from his case Having by having him sentenced 20 years for assaulting an officer. Okay. Not bad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. During these negotiations with, for Ozzy's case, the lawyers also managed to get charges dropped against Olin Montgomery, mm-hmm. Willie Roberson, cool. Eugene Williams, and Leroy Wright. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. And then all four men were let out on parole. Andy Wright had been let out on parole shortly after. Okay. Afterward, Alabama Governor Bib Graves commuted the sentence of Clarence Norris, and he was released as well. Good. Alabama officials eventually agreed to release Charlie Weems and Ozzie Powell out onto parole. Okay, cool. Stating that their sentences had been served. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know what? It's not actual justice, but it's it's close enough. So at this point, Haywood Patterson, the oldest of the group at 19, when they had been first arrested, still sat rotting away in jail. Oh, my God. And grew impatient. So in 1948, he escaped for prison. Hell yeah. He managed to make it up to Michigan before the FBI caught up with him and Aww. took him into custody. Oh, the Michigan governor, however, refused to extradite Patterson to Alabama (laughs) in fear for his safety and right to life. Hell yeah, Michigan. And Haywood was released from custody. Hell yeah. I know. That is that is a very decent thing to do. Yes. Cool. Though, sadly, after a bar brawl in 1951, he was convicted of assault. Okay. And then died in prison from cancer in 1952. I know. Oh, Melody. He spent the better part of his life in prison. That's so fucked up. I know. That's real fucked up, Melody. And it's just, it's sad for it to end. Yeah. So abruptly after what he'd been put through for a solid, over a decade, almost two decades. Oh my God. So the pardons were hard to come by for the Scottsboro boys. 
Mm-hmm. Clarence Norris was granted a pardon in 1976. 70! And I'm still not sure why he gets the favorable treatment. I can't figure it out. Because he's the one who's, like, first released. He's the one who's given the first pardon. And there's nothing about the reasoning. <laughs> 76? It gets worse. Melody. The rest of the men were posthumously pardoned in 2013, bringing a long overdue end to the tragedy and miscarriage of justice for the Scottsboro boys. What the fuck? So despite bringing about two important Supreme Court decisions that changed the American legal system for the oppressed in this country, the case of the Scottsboro boys remains a large dark mark on American history. Yeah. And that is the overall story of the Scottsboro Boys, which also has a wonderful Broadway musical. All right. <laughs> well, now I now I got to go listen to that. Yeah, the the musical is very good. Okay. Um, it's Candor and Ebb. Ooh! Which, for our listeners who are not familiar with musical theater composers, <laughs> Candor and Ebb are people who do darker cases. They wrote Cabaret. Mm-hmm. They wrote Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, they've written a few other musicals. They write about things that are a bit darker from our history. Um, we'll eventually cover the murder that led to the musical Chicago. <gasps> yes. It's, oh, my God. Can we also cover the one, the ballerina one, too? That would be very interesting. I'm not sure how much information is out there about it. Can it be a mini-sode or something? Probably. We could do a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, in this Candor and Ebb musical, it ended up getting protests and some controversy because they use the motif of a minstrel show to tell the story, which is brilliant because that was the most popular form of entertainment in the 1930s mm-hmm. was minstrelsy. And to tell this story from the perspective of a minstrel show was honestly a fantastic choice. It's so smart. Um, a lot of your favorite classic American songs are from menstrual shows. That's true. Beautiful Dreamer. Oh, Susanna. Mm-hmm. If you didn't understand the uh, clues that he's supposed to be a black person, uh, banjo, that's at that point in time, was fully still associated with just black people. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I can't understand people looking at two white guys. And being like, I don't know if that's a choice you two should have made. However, however, like honestly, they, it works. They did it brilliantly. Okay, they do it in a very smart way. Mm-hmm. There is a portion during the trial with blackface that is supposed to illustrate what a farce it is. Okay, um, I haven't been able to find any clips of that portion. Everyone, like the every reviewer who had seen it, said it was brilliantly done. Mm-hmm. Um. And a lot of the people who were protesting against that because of the blackface had said, yeah, we haven't actually seen the show. We're not even fully sure what it's about. Oh, no. <laughs> like, no. We just know there's blackface, so we're protesting. Okay. Okay. Um, Guys. You can't protest all blackface. Sometimes yeah. it's used to make a point. Uh, like, I understand erring on the side of caution. Yes. With black. Like, and they really did err on the side of caution with this one. Okay. Um. It really was left up to the actors on whether or not it was done. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's fine then. Exactly. Yeah, do whatever you want. If the actors are cool with it, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I guess I, I guess I've got a new musical to go get obsessed with. Yep. Thanks, Melody. <laughs> this is fine. But yeah, that's the unfortunate story of the Scottsboro Voice that brought about two very important decisions in the U.S. that have helped with progress quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm deeply relieved at the end of the story. Um, I yeah. mean, it still sucks. Yeah, they get to die of natural causes, most of them out of prison. Uh, the mm-hmm. one who's in prison has a separate sentence. Please don't get into bar fights, guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you're the type of person who gets angry when you're drunk, maybe stop drinking or see if you can learn to moderate your drinking, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's always a choice. There is always a choice. There is also therapy. <gasps> yes. <laughs> Go get therapy. Go get therapy. Ellen and Melody say Go get therapy. therapy. Yeah, so as we conclude Black History Month for this year, I think it is very important, especially if you are going to get your therapy, uh, and if you are not a white person or someone with other form uh, or who, you know, doesn't have other forms of racial trauma, if you are someone who has some form of racial trauma, be it being Black, being Hispanic, being Jewish, whatever, please go, go to therapy for it. You talk about it with your therapist. And it's, make sure that your therapist is someone who's actually going to work with you on that. It's just like a nervous white lady. Yeah. Um, I've lucked out with a white lady who's very good at understanding and oh, no, validating. Yeah. Uh, but I understand that not all white therapists are that great. Hashtag not all <laughs> white therapists. Um, <laughs> so it's just, you know, for some people, it really is a matter of finding a person of the same race or you know, same whatever, if you're queer, finding someone who's queer can make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, go get therapy, but also shop around for your therapist. Yeah. Make sure it's a good fit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, that is the most important thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. My current therapist is one of the only people I've met where I felt immediate trust. Oh, that's so nice. Which, oh, yeah. You're, you're also one of those people. Aw, thanks. Uh, it happens rarely, but... <laughs> oh, I feel so special. Um, but, you know, yeah, uh, I think this was such an interesting case, and I was tempted to do Emmett Till. Yeah, well, there's, there's always there's, next year, Melody. Yeah, that one is especially painful. Uh, yeah. Um, and I think Women of the Movement from ABC did a wonderful job of telling that story mm-hmm. um, other than the jury scene. Oh dear. What? They tried to make it seem like someone wanted to put not guilty. And that's just not historically <laughs> accurate. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I mean, it's cute. Yeah. I mean, they had to, they probably had to do it for the network. So white people don't come off as just evil, even though it's a, it's a case where white people just come off as evil. Listen, like, White people have fucked up a lot in this country's history. And sometimes we just got to sit with it. Yeah, sometimes you have to sit with the, the discomfort that white people didn't do the right thing. Like, and black people have to deal with the discomfort that, like, oh, I could be murdered like that. Yeah. Yeah. That could be me. It's it's okay to be uncomfy about shit. Mm-hmm. Like, discomfort I, yeah. is not a bad sign. 
Yeah. And like, here's the thing there. It's important to recognize when the discomfort is more than you can handle. Absolutely. But learning about history, especially about history of other people, should not should not push you so far into discomfort that you cannot continue learning. Yeah, continue learning, continue listening to the history as well. Mm -hmm. There comes a point where it's like, because it is history, because it is something we must learn from, the discomfort is just really showing us areas to grow Mm -hmm. or areas where we want to see progress. Yeah. Um, Or it's happening because you just want to be like those people. Mm. Which is another option. Mm. Which, if that's you. Therapy. Yeah. I mean, for all the people, therapy. But, like, right. especially you. You have some shit to work through. Mm-hmm. If you uh, listen to things uh, from American history, feel a little bit of white guilt to go, I just want to be like the people. I don't want people learning about this. You have a problem. Maybe you're the problem. Yeah. You're, mm. You have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, anywho, mm-hmm. we shall be bidding all of you wonderful listeners adieu. 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 Uh, if you would like to follow us on the socials, we have Facebook and Instagram. It's a scary life. I recently deleted the Twitter because I realized that I'm just not on Twitter. And it's a much harder social media source to cultivate your own um, experience on. Mm hmm. So it's like even trying to avoid the rage machine, I couldn't. Mm. So I've deleted my personal Twitter and the Twitter for this because oh, I'm just that's, moving on from Twitter. That's so nice. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's so hard to curate your own experience. So mm-hmm. I'm just done. Uh, but we do have Facebook and Instagram where I post about the episodes and things. We also have a Patreon where <sighs> you can help support us. Yes. Um, hopefully make it so I can be on a more regular schedule since I'll have income uh, and I'll be less worried about everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The stress of the pandemic is getting to me, at least money-wise. Yeah. Uh, Starting to really feel it this year. Mm. Yeah. Sorry um, you're going through that. fucking sucks. Yeah, it sucks. But, I mean, I have the comfort of knowing that there are so many other people in this boat. Oh, yeah. And that, you know, the pandemic isn't going to last forever. Yeah, I keep I keep telling myself that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, these are the reasons I need therapy. Mm-hmm. I hope that you go get therapy. Yes. I hope that you have a wonderful day, rest of your day, evening, whatever. Whenever you're listening to whenever. us. Yeah. Um and have a lovely, lovely time. We'll see you in March. Woo! Bye! Bye.